There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a gold t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello there and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast right here on arsblog.oleole.com. We're heading into the festive period and given that this day next week will be Christmas Day, this is the final Arscast for a couple of weeks, so we'll be hoping Father Christmas brings presents to the Arsal team. Goals, please, as our strikers are virgin on the ridiculous with their inability to hit the target. And of course, if we don't win the games, there's going to be plenty of cribbing, you know it. <clears throat> Sadly, not three wise men on the show today. Something even better. We've got one wise woman, Amy Lawrence from The Guardian, will be along. Also, Talkshite Radio, we have got Arsene Wenger Hawkins' Christmas message. Uh, Andre Arshavin will be here, as well as your chance to win a Savile Rogue scarf, the best football scarf in the world. And, of course, I'll be giving you the details of the winner of last week's Savile Rogue scarf. So all that's to come between now and the end of this show, which is, um, I suppose it should be festive and there should be sleigh bells and things, but pff, I don't know, I can't be arsed with all that. So, since the last arse cast, what's been going on? Well, two games in the northwest-ish, north... Away up there a bit. And um, four points out of six. Not really a bad return. I think most people would have accepted a draw at Anfield and a, a win at Burnley. The fact that it was the other way around is maybe a bit of a, fr- a, bit of a frustration. Of course, there's the whole um, story about Arsene Wenger at halftime at Anfield where he came in and gave him a, a good old bollocking. And I'm not sure he necessarily wanted that information to get out into the public domain. But obviously the players were, I think, probably a little bit pleased that they reacted in that way, that he gave them the bollocking and they went out and did something. So, you know, I don't see any real problem with him doing what he did. Um, And I don't think it's something he'd do very often, but it had an effect because the first half at Anfield was woeful, truly, truly woeful. I was sitting uh, in a bar because I was playing five-a-side 
at six o'clock. So I went down to watch in a bar very close to where I play five aside, and I sat at the bar drinking Coca Cola. Uh, beside a Liverpool fan who I got chatting to and, you know, he was a bit frustrated at 1-0 up at halftime because he felt they might well have been further ahead and I think he was probably right and as the second half went on and we got the own goal and then Arshavin scored that goal and Liverpool fell apart really, they went into their shells I was listening, we were chatting away and I was listening to him saying things that I probably would have said to him were it the other way around, almost exactly the same. He was talking about their ability to self-destruct. I was going, that sounds a bit familiar. We can't defend, he said. Oh, that sounds very familiar to me. We can concede at any time. Oh, we could be sisters. Seriously. So I was a bit curious in that regard, but a fantastic result, and one which you kind of hoped we'd use to gain a bit of momentum and confidence. Momentum. I can't say momentum tonight. Momentum. Momentum. Now I've got that thing where you say a word over and over again, it makes no sense. Nevertheless, uh, you hoped that we would take what we, uh, what we did on Sunday into the game against Burnley. And for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, it really looked like we'd done that because we peppered their goal. Arshavin hit the post, Sesk scored, he might have had another. We played very, very well. And then, you know, we did kind of what Liverpool did. Not necessarily self-destructed, but let them back into the game with a penalty and they could have had goals in the second half and we never got out of um, first or second gear Arsene Wenger talked about us taking our foot off the pedal what the hell is wrong with these people why take your take your foot off the pedal at 4-0 not at 1-0 or maybe you could understand the old Arsenal team who when they scored it was almost impossible for the opposition to score when Arsenal went 1-0 up that was just about it because you had a defense that was almost impenetrable. I couldn't necessarily say the same about our defense at the moment. Impenetrable is not one of the words that springs to mind when you think about this Arsenal defense. So at 1-0, you're kind of going, well, this is not a time to be taking your foot off the gas, chaps. Time for pressing on. Uh, credit to Burnley. They played very well. They made it very difficult for us. They worked harder than we did. They wanted the ball more than we did. And I suppose they got what they deserved out of the game and maybe not quite what they deserved. And, you know, we have to take a point and, and, uh, and get back on with things. Of course, our strikers aren't scoring at the moment. Eduardo came on and it's a good while since he scored. And uh, Theo had a very, sh uh, sh I was going to say sh sh quiet, but it was going to come out of shite. But a uh, shite, quiet game, I, I think those are both fair. Carlos Vela never even got on the pitch. And that's how poor we were in that second half, that Arsene Wenger couldn't go for the win. He couldn't throw on the other striker because, you know, he didn't know if we were going to concede another goal or not. We were imbalanced enough as it was. Unbalanced? Imbalanced? I should learn how to speak English before I start doing these things. So anyway, that was, um, that was Burnley. So four points out of six... The ground we made up on Chelsea led back as they won. So a bit disappointing and frustrating, but not the end of the world. Certainly doesn't mean we're out of the title race. We're just not necessarily showing the kind of form that a team who is going to win the title uh, would show. So that's just about what I'm thinking. Anyway, uh, as I said, loads to come between now and the, uh, the end of the show. We'll be talking about Arsene Wenger's comments about uh, fixture congestion and Wolves and 
the reaction from some of the other managers as well, not been very good. Uh, but now, uh, to talk about all that's been going on uh, from The Guardian and The Observer, Amy Lawrence. Hi there. Hello. Um, let's talk about the last two games. Um, four points from six on the face of it is not a bad return from two away games up north, uh, as they say. But given the fact that we got the three points at Anfield, there was a real chance for Arsenal to go and uh, and really take advantage of that by getting three points at Burnley as well. So uh, the disappointment maybe comes from the from the the manner in which those four points were gained, uh, as well as that. I suppose there are, are a few question marks over the performances uh, in, in the two games as well, despite the good result at Anfield. Yeah, I think you, I don't know why you've called me on. Really, you've done <laughs> pretty pretty well there yourself. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think the issues that the team has. Um, nobody's learnt anything new about those issues over the last two games. Uh, I think it's no secret that um, the, the, the frailties at the back and, and the, the lack of confidence in the goalkeeper um, makes it an invitation for opposition teams to, to maybe get something out of nothing. Um, and certainly I felt over quite a few recent games, there's been situations I would include probably Sunderland in this as well, um, that, that you sometimes feel that the opposition don't even have to work that hard to get their chances because they, they might sort of get a bit of help along the way. Now, Arsenal are not alone in, in um, having that characteristic at the moment. Uh, I've seen a bit of Chelsea lately, and what's quite strange is, again, you, it's always quite instructive to put your, your problems into some perspective, but a couple of weeks ago when, uh, after the 3-0 against Chelsea, everybody had... Um, saw things in an incredibly black and white way. Chelsea were champions-elect and Arsenal were nowheresville. Well, within the next couple of weeks, things have changed. And yeah, there might be a bit of a sense of opportunity missed against Burnley and a couple of points dropped that that um, you might expect to, to take. But if you look at the last few seasons, there's been plenty of examples of those those so-called winnable games. He, I think part of the problem is you look at Burnley's team and you think, who are these guys? And that's actually, you've got to respect what the job that Owen Coyle has done for that, but a lot of them are players who haven't got a lot of Premiership experience. In fact, have knocked around in the lower leagues or maybe had little bits and bobs of Premiership experiences with teams that haven't done very well. Um, so, sort of name for name, so to speak, you, you compare the two teams and you think, well, surely Arsenal have got enough quality to win this, even if Burnley do have a good home record. But you look at losing at Stoke and Sheffield United and. Um, and such stuff in recent seasons it happens you can go away from home to a team who you, you probably ought to beat and it can be difficult and that's not something that just Arsenal experienced really the the, the critical game was the Anfield game um, that was the one that was needed to put the season back on track after a difficult period um, and to uh, uh, obviously establish some kind of credentials against the top teams because having already lost to Man United, uh, Man City and Chelsea, there's that feeling that no matter how well you might do when all the players are there and you're banging in goals left right centre at the beginning of the season, if you're coming unstuck against your major rivals, you're not going to win the league. So um, that I think the Anfield result was a, was a really valuable one for that. And also, obviously, for the fact that you can go and get a great three points away from home at a difficult place when you're not playing that well.
Mm. for which all, all the gratitude really must go to Irish Ireland. Mm. Yes, of course. It's an interesting point there that you make, though, about the Burnley players who've got maybe scratched around in the lower leagues. Uh, that experience, even at that level, um, can count quite a lot when you're playing against players perhaps with more quality and more, more talent, but without that experience. Mm. I think, uh, you know, it was one of those games as well where, by the looks of it, it, it could have been another Wolves because had a couple more of those early chances gone in, then, you know, probably Burnley wouldn't have been able to stage a, a fight back. Mm. Had it been 2 or even 3-0 after 20 minutes, which it could have been, um, I think you're looking at a different game. But again, it's, it's not really one to complain about because um, they also obviously had the goal that was disallowed a little bit generously. So could, if you'd have come away with it with nil points, then... You're licking a few wounds and everybody's thinking, oh, it's such a stop-start season. Every time you get going, you get a good result, then there's a little slip-up following. And it's uh, uh, the momentum hasn't hasn't really um, got going over a, a longish period, although there was that you know a couple of pretty good stretches, obviously, earlier on. Mm. I don't want to um, dwell on this too much, but just I know um, Al Mooney has never been uh, your favourite goalkeeper in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, does his form really worry you at the moment? Arsene Wenger says he's got faith in the goalkeeper. He's got total faith in him. I see a guy who's got no confidence whatsoever, and I see players around him who have got no confidence in him either. And that, I thought, was quite apparent against Burnley, that it seemed to transmit itself throughout the team. How long can he keep playing Almunia without saying, well, look, I need to change this. I need to do something different. In my opinion, that time's passed. Mm. <laughs> but obviously one has to uh, consider that Alisson Wenger is manager of Arsenal for a very good reason. And mm. I'm scratching around as a, a, a journalist. So um, I think that it's such a critical position and I bang on that, and this is, you know, <laughs> probably far too much already. But I, again, going back to Chelsea, um, and I was at the game when they drew 3-3 with Everton the other day. And I actually saw quite an interesting um, comparison between what I thought, thought was perhaps their problems and it was similar to Arsenal's in that, of course, you look at Chelsea's back four and pound it's full of huge experienced international players uh, who have all got title medals and et cetera, et cetera, and been to Champions League finals and they know what it's all about. Now, why are they suddenly looking like they're about to all have a complete nervous breakdown every time the ball comes into their box. It looks like, from the outside looking in, that they've lost faith in Czech. Mm. And and Czech has been dicey this season, and he looks, or when the ball comes at him, that it bounces off him. He doesn't make clean saves. Um, it's all a bit nervy. And I think that that transmits through to the other defenders, and that's why even when you've got good individuals, they don't know, is he coming? Is he not coming? Is he going to punch it? Is he going to catch it? Is it? No one knows what... When you've got a situation where they don't know what the goalie is doing, I think the back four cannot relax and play their normal game. Mm. And even if it's 5 or 10% of your head that's thinking, what are they doing? That has such an effect on the other 90% of your game that you're comfortable with, that the whole thing can fall to pieces. Mm. And I think that that's been a big problem for Arsenal um, at the moment, where it's so evident that obviously the left-back position has been difficult, but the rest of the back four are good good players that should make a good defensive unit, and they've helped now with Alex Song in front of them, which is something that they didn't really have um, for the last few years, a, a sort of proper anchor that they could rely on to, to clean up in front of them. 
why is it that it's so vulnerable? Mm. And I, I, it's not just individual mistakes by Armenia, but do you look at individual mistakes in front of him, and I do think that is connected to the fact that the defenders do not have confidence in what Armenia is going to do. Mm. Uh, there was a bizarre moment uh, in the second half, I think it was, where, where Gallus was very obviously going to clear the ball out with his head and Almunia decided at the last minute to come and ended up punching Gallus mm. in the head. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> what can you do with that? Mm. Well, uh, I mean, uh, there were whispers after the Chelsea game that um, Arsene had reached a decision on Almunia that was going to be one of those big moments. But I think whether, I don't know what made him possibly change his mind, whether it's that he thought this ruins the guy and there'll there'll be so much negative publicity. You might get away with saying there's a chest infection once, so to speak, but if you do it again a few weeks later, everybody can see through that Mm. and that it would create a bit too much negative pressure and that it would be put it this way if you if you take if you drop Almun in now after what happened to him earlier in the season um and you put in Fabianski and then Fabianski gets injured for example which he does yes then what do you do mm. because if you're effectively relegating Almun to your number two keeper at the moment if you need to use him I mean he could be really broken by being dropped again and, and whether that's the thinking behind it I don't know but Mm. you get the feeling that at the moment although publicly the statements are all supportive of Almunia perhaps privately Arsenal is thinking to myself I've really got to sort this out mm. I, I suspect that it might only be a question of time before Fabianski is, is given a chance and for all the reservations people have about him and he's obviously not enough of the answer to, to have been already trusted but who knows what he could become with a run of games, which is something he's never really had. Um, uh, and he probably does need 10, 15, 20 games to really get the feel of what he's doing and playing at this level. And all the stats and everything that Arsene is so keen on tell you that Fabianski is a favourable choice in in that apparently his reflexes are the best that any goalkeeper's ever had at the club and, and all the how high can you jump and how far can you punch the ball away and how quickly can you get up when you're down on the floor and all these things he scores extremely highly and it's really just about learning how to be positionally um, doing the right thing and obviously the obvious thing with, with Fabianski is is he going to kind of come steaming out of his area like a one man herd of buffalo um, <laughs> at the wrong moment or will he learn to, to curb that aspect of his game and if he can I think he, he does have a chance he's only going to get that by playing games though isn't he yeah yeah I reckon that alright ok well let's leave the um, the conundrum <laughs> that is the goal there. Yeah. sorry <laughs> that's alright but um, from from one end of the pitch to the other and, and mm-hmm. equally as frustrating I suppose is what's going on up top and our strikers can't Seem to score goals. Um, Eduardo hasn't scored since the 16th of September. Ten appearances without a goal. Vela, 22nd of September, was his uh, last goal, his only goal of the season. That was in the Carling Cup, I think. Theo Walcott, it's the 4th of October. That goal he scored, I think it could have been against Blackburn. Um, when we needed these guys to step up and and show that they're worth the contracts, because all three of them have been given new contracts in the last couple of months, 
in the absence of Bentner, in the absence of, of Van Persie, um, they haven't been able to do it. Arshavin is the only one up there who's got a little bit of a goal threat about him. Is it lack of confidence? Um, is it lack of um, service? What, what's going on? What, what do you think? Is it a coincidence that all three of them have had injury problems? Mm. I don't know. But there was one moment in the Burnley game um, when uh, Eduardo was was probably 60-40 to win the chance one-on-one against their mm. keeper. And he basically pulled out. And you could see in his face, you could see in his eyes, he just didn't want to go crunching into that man mountain. Um, and And... I think Eduardo probably has more reason than the other two to to have fear of being injured um, for obvious reasons in a collision, in a direct collision, which I don't think is necessarily the the kind of problems that have afflicted Walcott and Vela. But definitely you can can see in in each of them that they they don't really want to get hurt. You know, if you think about... um, Obviously, uh, past players who scored a lot of goals for Arsenal, Omri was a big hulking guy even if that wasn't the major part of his game Ian Wright always used to uh, I want to give it till it hurts he didn't mind getting hurt um, Van Persie is brave in in a way and, and obviously he, he he ends up getting hurt but he doesn't he doesn't mind sort of flying in occasionally does he mm, no. uh, Bentner obviously can handle the physical stuff better um, and uh, and it's very interesting that one of the great qualities of Arshav and, uh, that Wenger has been talking about a lot is that he's so tough this is a guy that it seems like if he was in a cartoon, there'd be one of those ten-ton weights that would come smashing down on his head from above, and he'd just <laughs> kind of brush himself down and get on with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just think when you look at the other three, you can see a fear of of getting hurt, and whether or not that's making a difference. Um, when they're getting half chances, I don't know. I think Vela's probably the least guilty, if you like, of not stepping up because I think he's had the, the least opportunity easily, certainly in terms of um, high Premier League football or, or Champions League football. Yeah. Uh, Walker has had a lot of opportunity and obviously had a lot of experience. And um, mm. it is difficult because... I think that the whole Van Persie situation has been so clearly compounded by the injury to Bentner. I think if Bentner yeah. had been fit throughout this whole period, you would have been looking at a different Arsenal. It's really unfortunate, I think, that Bentner has been injured for, it will be, I'm sure, at least two-month period at the same time as Van Persie. That's been difficult mm. for, for the, the, the squad to absorb. And and Theo Walcott, I mean, he's had his chances, uh, but I mean, he doesn't seem to be able. To, I know he's played very little this season. He doesn't seem to be able to get involved in the games. Um, I think that the stats in the Burnley game, the Liverpool game, you know, five or six passes in both those games, he was taken off. Uh, I know it's a confidence thing, probably, but um, you know, he's he's not uh, not really a kid anymore. And there's a lot, maybe a bit too mm. much expected of him, is there? I mean, I think it's less expected of him now. There was much more expected of him when he was younger. But in a way, people have seen too much now that the expectations are not so high. There's an extra expectation purely because he's English and that's going to persist rightly or wrongly. Um, But I think that somebody pointed out to me today um, when I was discussing Walcott with him that when you look at Aaron Lennon, who seems to be the, the... It'll probably be a direct choice between one of those two to win the World Cup in England. 
if you looked at Lennon at the age of 20, he was all pace and nothing else, really. On the, on, on the whole, he would run into dead ends and mm. his overhit just about every cross. And you know, the end product was really lacking in his game. Um, shooting wasn't a big thing. And uh, he seems to be, he seems to have developed a bit later than you think for mm. a kid who comes through at 16, 17 and is being talked about as a big thing and worth quite a bit of money at a young age. So even though it feels like he's been around for ages and you think, well, if he was going to do it, he'd have done it by now, there is, I think he's still got a little bit more time before people turn around and say, well, he was never as good as he was supposed to be. Yeah. All right. Um, let's look ahead uh, very quickly, if we can, to the uh, the three festive fixtures where we start tomorrow against Hull. And then there's a, a huge game then uh, the day after uh, Boxing Day or St. Stephen's Day, as um, I'm supposed to call it. Uh, Aston Villa uh, have been having a, a brilliant season. I suppose it's quite similar to the season they had last season. Uh, they're looking a tough team to beat. And then Portsmouth uh, before the new year. From those, uh, is a reasonable expectation seven points out of nine? Should we be looking for nine points out of nine, uh, given the fact we've got Villa at home? Well, that Villa game is the. It, it could be anything, couldn't it? Be... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Anything from nil, nil points to three points. So uh, I think you've got to look at a minimum of six points and you hope for nine and whatever happens in between, see what happens. So it would obviously be, given the number of defeats already this season, uh, it would be a big blow to, to lose at home to Villa as Arsenal did last year. Was it last year? Um, mm-hmm. And 
uh, also coming quite soon after the Chelsea defeat, which was pretty comprehensive. Again, it would it would do a lot of harm, maybe to the to the sense of um, pretty good sense of not exactly invincibility, but Arsenal are, are pretty pretty good at home most of the time. So it would be um, a, a, a possible mental problem in a way to get the, uh, to lose to Villa on top of losing to Chelsea. Uh, and you just have to hope, I suppose, that some of the key players are going to be back by then because uh, Villa don't seem to have suffered too badly on the injury score this season and they've been able to play a pretty consistent team. Um, and you just get the feeling that Arsenal so stretched at the moment uh, and obviously seeing Fabregas go off, being down to fourth choice left back, um, struggling for goals up front without you know, two of the more established leaders of the line. You sort of wonder how much more, more this this team can, the first team, so to speak, can take uh, in terms of absences. So um, it's going to be a that's going to be an enormous challenge at Villa game because I think Villa will come down fancying three points because they're very good on the road and they've got a, a very well organised game plan. Uh, everybody knows their jobs. Everybody feels confident in their jobs at the moment. Not to say that Arsenal won't be going for three points as well, but it's definitely a tough one to call. All right, well, let's hope they can uh, build some confidence with a, a good spanking of Phil Brown and Hall tomorrow. We better leave it there. I did want to talk about injuries, but uh, we, be- we better leave it there. Uh, Amy Lawrence, thank you very much and have a very happy Christmas. Same to you and everyone out there. Thank you very much indeed to Amy Lawrence uh, from The Guardian and The Observer. Uh, We'll be talking to her again soon, no doubt. Um, Still to come, your chance to win a Savile Rogue scarf, 100% cashmere football scarf, as the weather is now getting a little bit on the chilly side, snow and all kinds going on. That's the kind of thing you need to keep your neck warm. So uh, tune in, uh, or keep listening, not tune in, just keep listening. And in a while, I'll give you the chance to win a scarf, as well as telling you who from the last Ars cast uh, won one of those great scarves. Now, Amy mentioned Andre Arshavin and his ability to um, to bounce back from injury. He's a tough boy. He really is. And exclusive to Arsblog, here he is talking about why he's always ready to get back out in the field, even when he's hurt. Hello, this is Andre Arshavin to talk a little about... Um the injury that I have after game at Liverpool Arsene Wenger say that uh, I have problem with foot Uh, this is true all week in the training I have uh, the pain in the foot and when I score goal it make foot worse Arsene Wenger said to me, you're not going to play against Burnley. You should go see Arsenal doctor. I tell him, no, I play through pain. And I play against Burnley. I don't go to see Arsenal doctor. This is not because um, I am uh, very brave. It's because of Arsenal doctor. I speak to Thomas Rosicki and uh, he tell me he go to doctor with splinter in finger. Next thing, he miss 18 months because of knee problem. I am sure that uh, Dr. Shipman Jr. 
will be good doctor one day, but um, for now I play with pain. Is uh, better, I think. Uh, okay, that's it. Uh, next week I talk about um, why women should have tracking devices. Goodbye. Uh, you can kind of understand his reluctance to go to the arsehole doctor. I'm told, reliably, that the arsehole doctor's room looks something like a cross between Fred West's basement and a lab from the boys from Brazil. It's true. True. Thank you very much to Andre Arshavin for taking the time to talk to Arsblog. After the Burnley game, Arsene Wenger complained. Not about our performance or anything like that, but he complained about fixer congestion, saying... Hull didn't have a midweek game, and this was not right. And he complained about Wolves playing a weakened team against Manchester United, saying now we have to compete against Manchester United over 37 games and not 38. I think it's just pure deflection from Arsene Wenger. We win against Burnley. None of this is an issue to him. None of it. So it's all just a deflection to take the focus off the team. I don't really have any problem with what Wolves did. I think if I was playing a team on Saturday that I'd more chance of beating than Manchester United. And let's face it, the chances of Wolves beating Manchester United are remote. Absolutely remote. The chances of them beating any good team are remote. I mean, look, they beat Spurs last weekend. So that just sort of shows you their level. And as for the fixture congestion, well... You know, we've known about these games for ages. Tony Pulis, the Stoke manager, says Arsene Wenger is moaning like a drain. What is he talking about? Well, I don't necessarily agree with Arsene and what he's saying. What do you mean moaning like a drain? Because I've never really heard a drain moan. You could say moaning like an orphan that's been run over by a bus. Or moaning like the guy I played football against the other night. Honestly, I never heard anyone mouth out of them so much the whole game over nothing. The whole time he was he was just moaning like a baby. And we were telling him, look, just shut up, William, play the game. Just shut your mouth. Then he went over and kicked the left back, our left back, and I was saying, what are you doing? He's going, yeah, well, you know, if you open your mouth on a football pitch, you expect to get a few kicks. Well, just moan back at him or just shut up, will you? Big fat bastard. So, yeah, if he'd said he was moaning like that guy, then I can kind of understand it. But moaning like a drain? I don't get that one. Unless the drain is blocked with the remains of the fat guy that I was playing football against the other night because somebody had enough of his moaning and just took him out. And there isn't a court in the land that would convict him. You know that. Anyway, all that moaning from Arsene is just deflectionary. Take the spotlight off the team. That's entirely what it is. Uh, Several rug scarves still to come as well as Arsene Wenger Hawkins' Christmas message right now, though. Talk Shite Radio. And the retirebacks throughout Hertfordshire as people come from miles around to pay their final respects to Theo Walcott's football career. 
It's your traffic. We'll have more in an hour. Thank you very much, Australian Traffic Girl. This is Talkshite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. Now, we all know football has changed down the years. It's no longer a strong physical sport. It's a game for wimps. It's a game for men who go to the theatre and call their son Gilbert. Thankfully, though, there are some real characters, and I am pleased to say that I've got a proper man in studio with me now. He is a man's man. He's a football man's man. He's a man's football man's man. He is even a non-football man's man's football man's man. That is how much of a man he is. I am delighted to welcome one of the true greats of the English Premier League, Hull City manager Phil Brown. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Phil, a lot of people will be surprised that you're still in charge of Hull City coming into this game. Of course, the start of the season was not so great. And, of course, you survived the departure of the chairman, who was, of course, your one and only friend. How are things now? Do you feel comfortable in the job? I do, I do have to say. You know, I've been right there with new chairman. And he said to me, look, we'll just take it one day at a time. And, of course, I'm going into dressing room singing... One day at a time, sweet Phil Brown. That's all I'm asking from you. One day at a time. One. Anyway, the players have responded marvellously to my singing. And of course, that's been a big factor in our improved form. My singing. And uh, everyone remembers what happened last season at the Emirates. Not in the league when you won the game, but in the FA Cup when you were cheated out of a place in the next round by some shocking refereeing. And, of course, there was that terrible, despicable, rotten incident with that filthy foreigner, Fabregas, when he went around after the game and spat on every single member of the old city team. Are you looking forward to locking horns with him again? Well, I think we all are after travesty of justice that occurred. Nobody at the club came out smelling of roses. The affair basically made us out to be all liars. And Phil Brown is not a liar. And of course I feel for me mate, me good mate, Brian Horton. Oh, the poor man, after all those years in game to be treated like that, he's had counselling and therapy and the whole lot. And what's really interesting, of course, is that last season, Cesc Fabregas did not play in that game. And he won't be playing in the game tomorrow due to injury. It's all very convenient, isn't it? How do you mean convenient? He is, in fairness, despite being an horrible little dirty foreigner, he is one of Arsenal's best players. No, I'm not a big conspiracy theory, not here or anything, but I'm suggesting that Arsene Wenger has planned this deliberately. Why? Well, it's obvious. It's so Cesc Fabregas can come on the pitch after the game and wear clothes. Clothes? Aye, this is what happened last year. The final whistle went, we're all bitter, we're all disgusted at what happened, and only came to the pitch wearing clothes. I don't want to see him in his clothes tomorrow. If he's wearing clothes on the pitch, I tell thee, Old City will take this to the highest level of the game. Uh, well, uh, what would you prefer him to wear then? Nothing? No, there's no need to be smart. You know what I'm saying. It's the clothes that are the problem. And as a great man once said, we don't have to take our clothes off to have a Phil Brown. Oh, no. We can't dance it, buddy. 
Oh, uh, no. I think we're going to have to. Yeah, my producer's telling me we need a commercial break. Don't blame him. Uh, we'll be back very shortly here on Chalkshite Radio with the shocking news from Harry Redknapp that a colony of ants has been living in his face for the last eight years. Chalkshite Radio, talking shit about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. More from Talkshite Radio on another Arscast in the very near future, of course. Phil Brown and the Phil Brown 11 uh, with the uh, Phil Brown subs visit the Grove on Saturday. And I will be most unhappy, I have to say, if he doesn't leave the place a broken man. Firstly, mentally. There are two ways this can happen. One is that we absolutely cream his team out of it. We're talking 4-5-6-0. His brain just won't be able, he couldn't cope with that. The other way, which is a much less enjoyable way as it's happening, but ultimately possibly a little bit more uh, enjoyable, is uh, a travesty of justice. Another offside goal in the last minute to win the game. Prompting another ill-advised Phil Brown rant afterwards. It would be hilarious, but the difficulty with that is you have to spend the whole game going, oh, we're crap, we're terrible, oh, this fucking shit. Hey, we've won. Which is all very good now and again, but, you know, I could live with a four or five or six niller. You know, I think we all deserve one of those. So uh, mentally broken, that would be good, but also physically broken, that would also be good. Now, I'm not advocating violence in any way. I'm not suggesting anybody from the crowd do anything. Absolutely not. I'm just hopeful that, for example, Paul McShane, the worst footballer in Ireland, and I include every single man who has ever played football at any stage of his life. I'm talking from under sixes to 92-year-old men who played for Home Farm back in 1940-whatever. I'm including those guys. All of them are better than Paul McShane. Anyway, Paul McShane has the ball on the right-hand side, just in front of the whole city technical area, in slides Vermaelen with a with a sliding tackle of epic proportions. He goes through the player. McShane goes up in the air and lands on Phil Brown. And there's this mix of orangeness and ginger. Nobody can tell where the orange starts and the ginger begins and vice versa. It's just this mess that will take years to clean out of the turf. I could li- I could live with that too. I know it's unlikely, but a man has to have his dreams. Do you not think? Uh, some team news on the way uh, ahead of that game in just a moment, as well as your chance to win a Savile Rug scarf. Now, though, Arsene Wenger-Hawkins' Christmas message. Hello, everyone. It's Arsene Wenger-Hawkins with my annual Christmas message to you all. What are the obvious things that come to mind when we think of Christmas? Picturesque snow scenes outside our windows as the fire crackles in the living room. Children laughing and playing with their presents. Families being together, enjoying good food and wine. Coming home so drunk you go for a piss in the cupboard underneath the stairs instead of the toilet. Unhappy people smiling their way around town as they do their last-minute shopping, the lights twinkling, carols playing softly in the background. That is the ideal Christmas for so many people. Not for me, though. 
when I think of Christmas, I think of 11 cunts playing against Arsenal. Then another 11 cunts a couple of days later. And while I'm trying not to shit my gizzards out after eating gone off turkey and ham, yet another 11 cunts trying to beat the Arsenal. I see mud and rain and wet and cold pitches. I see strikers being kicked up in the air like bitches. Yes, I want football and violence so much I am rhyming. Freestyle A-W-H. Word. And shit. Oh, what's that Mr. Forward? You can't continue because you have been cunted so hard in the bastard that you couldn't even join in a real Ferdinand led roasting. Mr. Hardman Midfielder. You appear to be crying because your attempt to make a tackle resulted in your leg getting caught in the turf and your cruciate ligament going, snap. Excuse me while I laugh. Ha 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 That's better. Christmas is a time for points and goals and winning games, and fuck all that love and compassion shite. So to you and yours, I wish you all the very best, because you are Arsenal. To the rest, stick it up your holes, you poxy wank spanners. Oh yes. Arson Wenger Hawkins, I did try to get the man in the bar for a Christmas message, but he said no. No, he said, I'm too busy doing Special K. There's me thinking, oh, this new bar is so trendy, he's mad into his drugs. I'm reliably told, though, he just stands around in a red leotard eating bowls of cereal all day, <clears throat> which makes a lot more sense to me. Now, Savile Rogue scarves, um, what can I tell you about them? They're the best scarves known to man. They'll keep whatever part of you you wrap it around warm, ultra warm, because they're made from 100% cashmere. Last week I gave you the chance to win one of these scarves. I asked you, against whom did Theo Walcott score his first Arsenal goal? The answer, of course, was Chelsea. He scored twice against Chelsea and we've lost twice against Chelsea. Uh, however, the winner, who doesn't lose, obviously, uh, is Becky Thomas. The random number generator pulled out your name. So well done to you, Becky. I'll be in touch to get your details and we'll get that scarf sent out to you as soon as possible. Uh, despite the fact there is no Arscast next week, uh, Savile Rogue are nothing if not generous people and have given me another scarf to give away to help you uh, bring in the new year in warm and festive neck-warmed cashmere style. So, which Arsenal player's name has a connection to Christmas Day? Kinda. Which Arsenal player's name has got a connection to Christmas Day? Kinda. Sort of. It's spelled slightly differently, but it's the same name. It's not very difficult, this at all. Uh, so all you have to do is email competition at arsblog.com. That is competition at arsblog.com, and you'll be in with a chance to win one of those scarves. If you're looking for a late Christmas present, savilerogue.com is where to go. That's savile, S-A-V-I-L-E hyphen rogue.com. And uh, although I think the deadline is passed for overseas orders, if you're in the UK still, you can order up to the uh, 20th, I think it'll be the 21st, and your scarf will get there before Christmas. And whoever you get it for will love you. Properly love you. Now, uh, team news ahead of the game tomorrow. Of course, Cesc Fabregas is out. He's got a hamstring injury. Early news is that it's not as bad as it might be. Um, Arsene said he's had a scan. They haven't had the result yet, but um, it might not be, you know, the, the usual sort of three-week job, which is good. 
because we can't really afford for him to be out uh, for that length of time. However, Denilson is back and he's available. No sign of Bentner, though, or Rosicki, or Clichy, or Traore, which means Sylvester, Sylvester will continue at left back. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I'm, 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 I cope, I cope. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, we owe these. Last year I was at this game and... Uh, Despite the fact fingers were pointed at me, I've explained this before. It's not my fault we lost. Somebody else's fault entirely. But nevertheless, we owe them. We owe them a good beating. I know we beat them back in the FA Cup, but we want revenge. And of course, Phil Brown being a horrible orange cunt, we want to make him have a very unhappy Christmas. Because losing against us would make his Christmas unhappy. Because that would mean nobody loves him. Nobody. So... Uh, fingers crossed for Saturday fingers crossed for uh, next Sunday against Aston Villa another huge game and maybe after that we might squeeze a uh, a non-Friday arse cast in there somewhere depending on how everything goes so uh, despite the fact that I'll talk to you all next week on the blog and of course on the blog on Christmas Day and everything because yeah, I don't take time off really uh, I'd like to wish you and yours a very happy and peaceful Christmas talk to you um, after Christmas Come on, the Arsenal. All right, then. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Hello, my name is George. You might remember me from such things as Tales of the Unexpected and that blow-up Jade Goody doll you bought off me. I know you remember. I can see it in your eyes. However, I'm not here to talk about you being a filthy, disgusting pervert. I'm here to wish each and every one of you a very happy Christmas indeed. And I know that Christmas can be a trying time for many families. Financial hardships... Having to buy presents that you can't really afford? It's difficult. So, if you find yourself the far side of Christmas in a state of financial crisis, talk to me. I can help with my new business, Kidleys and Nivers. That's right. All you need to do is donate a kidney or a slice of your liver and I'll give you cold hard cash. Two grand for a kidney and eight hundred on the liver, depending on how much cirrhosis there is. I've got a top-class surgeon, Dr. Michal Zaro. He'll whip it out of you in no time, without even a bit of anaesthetic. So, if you're looking for cash after Christmas, visit my website, kidleysandlivers.com. Also, ladies, when you die, how about donating your vagina to help children with hair lips? Your vaginas can make a huge difference to a little boy or girl's life. Just visit cashforgash.com So from me to you, have a very happy Christmas.